Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's taken 12 episodes, but Game of Opinions has finally recruited an actual footballer. Paul Parker of Manchester United QPR and England fame wades into the debate surrounding the Premier League. Should it have shorter matches, scrap relegation, play at neutral grounds? All of that and more coming right up. I'm Ben Snowball, and I also welcomed Paul's rumoured arch-nemesis, Marcus Foley, to the chat. Let's get to it. All right, chaps. Paul, thanks for joining us in these uncertain times. Uh, firstly, how are you doing? How are you finding this new world? Um, unenjoyable. Now it's been God knows how long now, but over 40 days now. Uninteresting, boring, and... I need to go out and do something. I need to be able to go at me, go out of my house and have a purpose. It's got to that point. Uh, and now before we start, um, could you just address something that's it's been going around the office for about five years at Eurosport um, that you actually hate our other guest on this podcast, Marcus Foley? No. Why, 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 why is something <laughs> like that being said? Why have you hit me with that cold? Was you looking for a reaction? <laughs> if I, is, does it, do I actually really show... In my face sometimes at what I mean and what I don't mean. There we go, Marcus. That's alleviated all your concerns. I'm delighted, to be honest. Absolutely delighted. Happy days. Um, and Marcus, welcome to you as well. Cheers, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm also very good. Um, let's start with an extraordinary line from PFA Chief Gordon Taylor this morning, um, who said, we don't know the future, but... dot 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 Games possibly not being the full 45 minutes each way when football returns. I mean, come on. He's basically saying, look, lads, 45 minutes each way is completely unacceptable, but 30 minutes, off you go. Absolutely fine. What are your thoughts on that, Paul? Um, I treat it as what's been written in recently in certain tabloids. It's just a load of rubbish, to be honest, really. Something to fill space. Gordon's come out and said it, but it's, it's, it's not really newsworthy. We all know that if and when football starts, they're going to make it as best they can it's going to be done in the most legitimate way possible and the way that's going to be accepted that's 45 minutes each way plus added time nothing with 30 minutes it's not a training session it's not a pre-season tournament it's going to be a regulated game of football which is 45 minutes each way so I don't know what I don't know what what difference it make if there's people who have been going on bike rides for all this for all this time, bike rides for three, four hours. People have been walking for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. 
what difference is 90 minutes of football going to make to a professional footballer? I, don't, I didn't know when time come into it over this period of time that being outside for a certain amount of, amount of time made a difference. So it's, it's uninteresting, not going to be taken seriously. Marcus, I know you've got thoughts on this that might, I don't know, slightly counteract that. Is it something to do with the fact that it gives players a chance to get up to speed? Um, similar to what we saw, I think there was a three-week gap between the end of the Premier League season and the Champions League final last year, and it, and it was awful quality. Um, is it something to do with the intensity, you think, potentially? Maybe. I, I don't know. I think in, in um, Taylor's comments, he, he mentions, and this is a term that's been thrown around left, right and centre, about the integrity of, of the game. That is, talk about the season has to finish for football to retain its integrity, which I agree with. And I think what perhaps he's maybe suggesting is that because football has had so long off, and obviously Paul would be in a far better place to, to answer this question. So what is it? It's six, seven weeks now that people have been in isolation, which obviously means that people haven't been able to train as a team together and with that intensity. For some footballers, I think that could potentially be the longest period in quite some time, years where they haven't trained with intensity. So when the game does come back, there will be a lack of fitness and a lack of also to play the game for the full 90 minutes. Now, I'm not saying that Taylor's right in any way, shape or form. But what I am saying is there seems to be a very, very sharp window between the period in which the authorities want teams to return to training, which is roughly in this period now, and then start the league up again, where I don't think it's as long as a pre-season training, whereas it seems as though players will have had the equivalent of a summer off and then they've been expected to come in and hit it at full speed, which I suppose is what Taylor's indicating towards. But for me, that's not the solution in any way, shape or form. Because as, as Paul says, it's not football. And also, if you're looking to retain the integrity of a season, you can't have, what is it, 28 games of 90 minutes and then 10 games of an hour because that's not keeping things on a level playing field. So I think if, if Taylor wants, if, if his point is that players won't be ready, then the solution for me is to delay the, the restart. That part, Marcus, I'm old school. It's been over 20 years since I stopped playing. doesn't matter when football's going to start. Players are still going to be gasping for that first breath. You know, they can, sure. Players play they play six, seven, eight, nine, ten pre-season games before a normal season starts. Mm-hmm. And even on the first day of the season, I'll be sitting there as a co-commentator and maybe it might escape me. I might say this, and I think myself, why have I said it? But I'll be coming out saying the same old cliches. It's going to take them a bit of time to get up to speed. Doesn't matter how many how many games they've played. That first league game is always a difficult one because of the situation, because of the crowd, the atmosphere, what's laid on, to, what the game means now because there's points involved rather than a pre-season friendly. All that comes into it. And the bonus is that all these players will be starting on a level playing field. So that's that's the thing. Not one team hasn't really been training longer than the other. It's all about individual players. What have they been doing themselves? Golden News talked about the Champions League final. It was mostly one of the worst Champions League final. But I think that told a lot of people that with footballers, we keep talking about rest and we keep they need this. They don't. Players need to play games on a regular basis to keep that, which Golden used those words, intensity. Three-week layoff, you can't just come back out and play and carry on. A rest doesn't always do you good as a team. Individuals can't deal with it. They struggle. Individuals, they need to turn over, turn over. Physically, they need it. And mentally, if a certain players, maybe like myself, if, I've had a, if I had a poor game, the last thing I would have wanted was, A, a manager to come to me and say, Paul, I'm going to rest you, you look tired. 
And B, if I had a poor game, if there wasn't a game for another week, I wanted a game on that Wednesday or the oncoming Saturday to get it out of my system. You sometimes need games to get games out of your system and sometimes keep your engine running. If you've got a lovely Porsche and you put a lovely Porsche in the garage for six months and you bring it out and you try and hit 60 in five seconds, it doesn't always work, does it? It needs to be turned over and yeah. all the time. So I just think what Gordon says in certain ways might be right. We're not going to get the quality we expect, but everyone's on a level playing field. And if he's on about integrity, that's one of the reasons why going into it well, shouldn't, wouldn't make any difference. No one's got any excuse. Oh, we only played 30 minutes. We lost to a goal in the 32nd minute. Nothing like that. Keep it the same and go with it. Yeah, agreed for me. Agreed. I agree with, agree with both both of what you're saying there, actually. It does look like the Premier League is planning on resuming. They've said that June the 8th is a loose a loose date that they might be aiming for. It does appear, though, that Project Restart is already turning into a little bit of a shambles. Um, Prem doctors uh, have raised concerns, uh, apparently today, uh, over these plans to restart. And Sergio Aguero said last week that the majority of players are scared because they have families and children. Paul, is it worth the risk for football to return? Well, is it worth the risk of saying coming out of lockdown because we could all go walk outside and I don't know. We someone might get someone might get it. Someone might get knocked over with a kid who hasn't been out all day. All of a sudden, go out your house and he runs over on his bike because he hasn't been out on it. Anything can happen when we go out. You have to start somewhere. There's all. There's always going to be a risk in life in general. We have to get on and somehow. Get, try and get back to what was going on before. If it's going to take a bit of time, it'll take time. But I just believe football has to start. It's a, it affects a lot of people's mindset, the game. And I just don't mean the players. Everything centres around football in a lot of people's lives. It needs to start. There is going to be maybe players who are going to feel something. That's normal. That's going to be a human feeling. But the most important thing is that players are going to want to play. It's as simple as that. There's... And when I'm talking about players, I'm on about players outside of the Premier League because there is other players outside the Premier League who are real real footballers who play football all for the right reasons because they have to go out and earn money to pay a mortgage and other little things that go with that as well. So those players want to go and play outside of the Premier League if, if they're allowed to because they want to go and earn win bonuses and maybe clean sheet bonuses, goal scoring bonuses, all the stuff that makes their life a little bit easier. So we've got to think about people who need to work as well. And it isn't, and when we say about people keep coming out, the Premier League and this and that and money, life is about money. I'm sure in every other industry, there's people sitting around in their houses and they want to get out and work, get back out there, communicate again and slowly get back and work because they'll be a little bit concerned about, if their company has been going and they've been furloughed, they'll be saying to themselves, that company's been running. Are they managing better without me? I need to get back to prove a point that I'm worth keeping. So not everybody, like a lot of people, the doom mongers, who are out there saying, don't do this, don't do that. More, majority of people want to get out there. They want to work. Football is being used as a maybe the stick to poke the bear to see what they can, what, how far they can push it and get it over the line. because. The government know how important football is to a, a majority of this country, what it means to them. And a lot of people will be bouncing off the back of, off of football to kickstart other things, other things in life 
and being one of them will be sport. Other sports will be looking at football and saying, yep, okay, you've answered that question for us. And every time it goes along and everyone starts talking about football coming back, other sports will be moving nearer to going back as well. And that means there's going to be a lot of people who are suddenly going to be feeling better. There's going to be more stuff, maybe there'll be stuff on TV for them to watch. People might be fed up with sitting watching films every single day. People need to express themselves by maybe getting back to what they were doing before. Marcus, do you want to chime in? Uh, yeah, um, I think it's all about a balancing act. And I think the crucial point will be, so Boris Johnson obviously said last week that he's going to put in place this week steps or outline steps for the, for the return to reopening the economy. And I suppose the balance is to sort of work out where football lies within that. Because if he's going to put forward plans that everyone returns to work on a set date, but you have to enforce social distancing of two metres, and then at the same time says football can crack on, I mean, that seems to be giving off sort of contrasting messages. <laughs> so it's, it's a difficult one. And I, I think the, the key aspect will be with what comes out this week as to whether it makes logical sense for football to return. As Paul says, football is such a key part of the national psyche and sort of like what it represents, that there will be pressure for it maybe to return before other things will return. But I think you do have to also take in, I suppose, the human aspect, which I think sometimes footballers can be in some ways denied. Some will want to return. Some might be living with vulnerable people and they might be like, well, I'm not willing to go and interact with other people and, and then go back to my home yeah. and perhaps put vulnerable people at risk. So it's about balance. And I think that's the whole thing about coming out of lockdown it, when it happens is balance. But I'd be interested to know Paul's views on the, the idea of neutral venues and what sort of impact that would have. I think neutral venues is all about trying maybe to, to stop people congregating outside the grounds. I've seen saying today, certain paper, the, the one that's trying to highlight more doom than making people feel good, is saying now which, which grounds are less accessible you know, to people congregating. So that's, that's what they've got going. I didn't bother reading it. But I really don't know if that's going to work. When you're talking about relegation and people fighting for their lives, even if they're not going to be a crowd in there, let's talk about it. It's saying Norwich. If you're, you're down there and you're still fighting for your life, Norwich, you have to say is that you look at Norwich and what they've achieved and the way they've played, they've got a chance. You have to believe they've got a chance by the way they've conducted themselves and the football they play. You've got to still give them a chance. So if they're going to have to play with no crowd, the home games they've got left, they're going to want to play them at Carrow Road, not a neutral ground. They're going to want as, as much as an advantage as they can have, which they deserve as a side playing at home. So really to throw that one out there, and when we talk about, again, using that word, Gordon Taylor, use integrity, that takes a bit away because if Norwich go down, if Aston Villa were to go down, to Brighton to go down, again, that's going to add out more asterisks around it to say, but they went down because of this and this reason. We need to keep it as right as possible. So if, if the worst happens to a team, they get relegated. We have to look at the, look at the situation and go, had to play behind closed doors. There's a reason for it. And we'd all accept it because you accepted that you would play. You'd play at the season, but you accept it to play because you can at least play at home, not to have to go and play somewhere else. I don't agree with it. I think if you're going to do it, you're going to have to play at your home ground. How many, if the game's going to be on TV, you haven't seen your side play for so long, 
why are you going to go and stand outside a ground? You're going to sit and it's going to maybe, it's going to be free to air is what they've been saying. Yeah. So why are you not going to sit and watch it at home rather than go and stand outside the ground? I don't know what, watch it on your phone, watch it on your iPad. So you can do that, use your data up to do that. I don't, it doesn't really make sense. I think we have to maybe trust the British public to say that they're going to turn around, accept and be, feel, enjoy the, the fact of they're, they're allowed out and, ex, and enjoy the fact that football's being played and believe and trust them, but they're not going to congregate outside of grounds doing what people have been trying, people are trying to get us back towards, leaving that still that a bit longer, but they're going to sit at home and watch football on, on TV instead of binge watching all different series on Netflix. Paul, do you think it's, it's fair though? Say that the matches, say that they say the matches have to be played at neutral venues, which sounds increasingly like the way it's going to go. Do you think it's fair? I know Brighton's CEO, um, Paul Barber was among those to say that it, it ruins the integrity of the competition. But if that is the way it has to go, is it really fair that they say, oh, you can't relegate anyone? Because then what's, what's then the point of, of watching football? I understand that you might lose a slight advantage of playing from home, but they're in this predicament because they haven't played well enough to this point in the season. I understand that the fixtures will mean that some teams get slight advantage, other teams no, won't. No, that's but true. Like Norwich are bottom in the Premier League because Norwich have been the worst team in the Premier League. Brighton are in the mix because they've been the worst team in the Premier League. None of these teams have amazing home records that they're suddenly missing out on. If you look at the, the form table, um, the bottom six clubs, Norwich, Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham and Brighton, have six of the worst seven home records. The only worst team is Southampton, um, and they're higher up in the table. Um, only three points separate those six teams uh, in their home records. There's not going to be a major advantage or disadvantage. Um, so I don't understand, I don't understand why, why this... If the, if the police are saying, look, we'd prefer it to happen at neutral venues, um, it just seems like it's an easy excuse, um, and they're holding the Premier League to ransom. Um... On the other side of it, when I look at it, I think I've had one relegation in my lifetime when I was at Fulham. And the hardest thing about being in the relegation spot was playing at home. The fear factor of making a mistake at home, that first mistake. And if it's a near miss, you, go, you, you feel it yourself as an individual. If they go and score, you feel, it, you feel it even worse. You don't want to touch the ball. The team get afraid. So to play in your own stadium with no crowd there, really might help a lot of these sides, given their home records. If, and I've watched a lot of West Ham this year. Maybe if you're a West Ham, <laughs> if you're a West Ham player, and I'm sure there's a lot of them because who were, who were scared to make a mistake because they knew that anything that went, go, was going to go wrong, the fans would always go at them more than anybody else. So there'd be a lot of players, if they were playing there, yes, they'd miss a crowd, but a lot of them been thinking, oof, it's not going to be about me. It's not just going to be, a, that might help help the team because there'd be a few players who were found wanting playing at home suddenly come out and add more to that team to help them more at home. And, you know, I mean, that's football. You've got 11 individuals in mindsets in all different, all different aspects, but together you, come to, you get together as a team. And if a few of those cogs are not really with it at home because there's a fear factor of making a mistake, then there's a concern. But if you get them, to, if they're all together because there's no fear factor, because no crowd, then things might change. They're all little elements which will be used if a team were to get relegated. We, we know the bottom six teams; they're looking for every reason for the season not to be played out with no relegation. That's what they're looking for. That's that's what they want, and 
Who could blame them in any industry? Why would you put yourself in a position of going bankrupt when there's another way you could avoid it? So teams do not want to get relegated to miss out on the facts of the, the funds that are available in the in Premier League. So I do understand where they're coming from, but there has to, in my opinion, the league has to finish and there has to be relegation because of the teams down below. That's the bit interesting. I'm not interested. Liverpool can have the league, but I just still believe it's got to be finished for the teams that are in the championship. Everyone's on about Leeds and West Brom coming up. Great. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> there's a lot of teams who invested a lot of money to make the playoffs. And if they're within a shout, they want the opportunity to fight for that spot in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with Paul. And also on, on the subject of um, home advantage, I'd be interested to know your thoughts, Paul, on, on the advantages of playing at home of small things. But for example, knowing the dimensions of the pitch, because obviously you, you have different, different dimensions. I remember reading, I think it was Carl Walker when he was playing for Spurs, that he said he used to use a Yoldi stand, there's pylons. And he said on a subliminal level, he would know his position on the pitch by seeing those pylons out of the corner of his eye. I wonder what your thoughts would be on, on the small advantages of playing at home like that and how important they could be in a relegation sort of dogfight. Maybe a few people might have been wondering if Carl Walker he might have used the pylons for sort out his positional sense in defending. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why he's throwing that one out. Yes, I think more so as a team they do that. I think Arsenal, Highbury, doesn't matter whatever team Arsenal had, Highbury was always a difficult team to go to go, to go and play because if you was a team that played with wide players, they were non-existent because the pitch, George Graham especially, used to bring the pitch in. And the pitch was narrow at Highbury. If you was a winger, you was redundant. You had to have something else in your game. Otherwise, you was redundant. And you found teams changed, changed their tactics when they went to Highbury. So I fully un, understand that. There's always stories about managers changing this and changing that. So that will come into it. Teams will want that. And they should have that right to do that because we want this league to finish in the best possible way, which is always going to be of integrity. The only thing that's going to be missing from it is a crowd. That's the only thing that can be missing as far as I'm concerned for people, I should say, to have minimal complaints about the outcome. Paul, they say that the the Premier League says they're going to consult players before giving the, the green lights. I just wanted to, to do something slightly different here. Could you take us back, if you would, Go back through the years slightly, um, back into the Manchester United dressing room of the early 90s. Um, imagine that something similar is, is occurring. Who would have led the conversation about the return? Uh, would there be players who said, oh, no, I don't want to return? How would have it been resolved? Um, I would look at it. The two main captains I played under was Brian Robson and Steve Bruce. When I'm saying that they were proper captains, captains of that era who had, who had massive says on and off the pitch. And virtually would have been that, old school mentality wouldn't have been virtually do you want to play or don't you because don't hesitate because if you hesitate it tells me that you're thinking about it too hard and you're not going to do your team or yourself any justice and that's what it'd be that's what it'd have been down to and that you know and I believe that in that in that sense because that's that's how a lot of things were done the situation at Queen's Park Rangers Don Howe was the manager there was a player who was asked about playing on a seriously frosty Loftus Road the pitch was absolutely just full of ice but the game was going ahead the referee said it's playable so the manager asked is there any player who doesn't feel that they can do the team any justice on that pitch one player put his hand up the manager went okay and we carried on did we have any resentment towards that player 
given who the player was and the way they played, we fully understood it because we knew how it was. We knew that he weren't really, unless we could get him in an area that really was going to suit us and suit him, it weren't going to work. And we knew that game was going to be about bravery and wanting to do this. And you needed, you needed 10 outfield players who were going to dig in. And he didn't want to do it. So we accepted it. And I think it's nothing. This is now about people talking about their lives. They're talking about other people, their family and friends. So that's, that's kind of scenario is the one that will really come out. When the, when the football people, the Premier League, say they're going to ask players, no, the clubs are going to do that. The captains, the managers are going to... I do believe that a lot of players are going to want to play. You can't be a, become a professional footballer and not want to train and not want to play. You want more than anything to get back and play. So I, I believe that the players will come out and say they want to play. Players will be thinking about it, but you look around and you look around at maybe the players who you, you believe in, the ones that you respect, and you see that their hands, the ones that you see as your leaders, you look at them and they'll say, yeah, I want, I want to play. And generally, players will go because that's who they aspire to and they will want to play with them more importantly, play for them and the club that they're at. Well, you're in a unique position, obviously, as a, as a former player. I'm guessing you're still in touch with, with former teammates and, and managers or what have you right now. Um, what is the mood inside football? I would say no different to maybe, you know, what, what you're, you're like, Ben, and maybe what you're like, Marcus. I think you've got to the point where you want to get back out. You want to go and achieve and go and do something. After so long, yes, there's been this, and yes, it, it had to be done through everyone, you know, myself included, shaking their heads and thinking of why, reasons why I shouldn't be doing this, why can't I do it, having little meltdowns. But, you, but you've done it, and now things, you know that you need to start to get things going again. You need to get your life going. You need to open your mind up. So people want, I, they'd want to get out there now. They mostly were looking forward to get back and train you'd want to go and get get to your teammates and talk talk to your teammates, not via Zoom, like, you know, talking like we are at this moment in time. You want to go out there and be close to that person to really get a real vibe of what was what the, what's it been like for them. That's what the, that's what the talk's going to be. And you'll get that true vibe by being in the same proximity of that person rather than looking through cameras. Perfect. Paul, I think that was a sensational debut. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. No worries. Thank you very much. It's all important, though. I've heard that too many times in the dressing room. It's all about if I get picked for the next team. It's all about... I'll be looking at, be looking at a notice board seeing, seeing if I'm on a team sheet for the next game. I'm not going to accept one. That sounds like, that sounds like you're keen for, for doing this again. Quite enjoy it. It's, yeah, some, it's a bit different. So when I know that I've seen people's faces, when you know that you've talked... You can actually see that first expression of things of, God, it is... <laughs> I think we were managing to keep a pretty straight face when you were talking, Paul. Don't worry. That's right. I, yeah, I can. I can see that you do, you go to a lot of casinos, both of you. <laughs> uh, Marcus <laughs> might have a habit there, but certainly not me. Uh, Mark, <laughs> Marcus, pleasure as always. Yes. Um, you've been listening to Game of Opinions from Eurosport. Uh, we'll be back soon, potentially with Paul Parker if he makes the next team. But until then, take a moment to hit subscribe on your pod platform of choice and tell the world. See you soon. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.